Thanks, Boomer. Man, you guys are quiet tonight. Woo! I'm not. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good, awesome. Yeah, you really are quiet. Hey, guys, I'm Drew. I'm going to share with you guys tonight. Uh, just glad to be here. Uh, for anybody that's new here, welcome to Downtown Exchange. Glad that you're here. Um, if you want some more information about what's going on, just catch uh, one of us and some uh, Josh up front, me, Evan. Just catch us, and we can kind of help you just understand what we're all about down here. And um, if you're returning, good to see you guys. Good to see that you came back. Um, you know, this month, each of us who are preaching are, are taking some time to ask the question, why the Bible? Okay, uh, why out of all the things in, in, in this reality, out of all the vast options and belief systems, out of all of the ideas, inspirations, epiphanies, why have I personally chosen to put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior based upon the words of this ancient book? And out of that, uh, why can you? You know, it's an odd question to ask, why choose Jesus? Especially based upon this book. Not because it's rare. Uh, in fact, everyone ultimately faces this common question. But, but I think it's odd as it pertains to, to the first part of the question. When, because I don't think it's as much a, has much to do with why I chose Jesus, but rather about him choosing me. Uh, God sent us on Jesus to die on the cross for me. And really, that's all where this all begins. You know, the sermons this month, they might seem more like lectures um, than sermons. So I, I want to try to make it as personal as I can. It, it can be difficult with these topics. Um, but I remember when I was younger, and life circumstances as they so were for me, I remember facing uh, a crossroads of sorts. Uh, you know, I, that might seem like a figure of speech to you all, but I, I mean it somewhat literally. Uh, because I remember sitting there in my backyard one day when I was a teenager, contemplating the world around me, contemplating what kind of person I wanted to be, and contemplating which direction I wanted to go forward, moving with my life. And I remember seeing as, as almost in a, a vision or a dream, two pathways out in front of me. This might sound a little crazy to you guys. It sounded crazy to me too, so it's okay. But, but I'm just sharing you what I experienced. And, but I remember seeing these two pathways in my mind, and I saw, I, I saw where each of them took me. On one path, I saw myself living for myself. And I saw the pursuit of worldly power and riches, and I, I felt down that path really just led to pain and emptiness. And then I saw this other path. However, I saw on this path a life hidden in the arms of Christ, where my purpose, value, and security rested in God Almighty. And I saw life being led by Christ, and it made me really excited to live that life down that path. So I remember sitting there in my backyard in Garing, Nebraska on my trampoline during the summertime when I was about 13 years old, and I remember making the decision to go down that second path. And I did this because I knew that whatever life Jesus had planned for me was greater than any life that this world had to offer, or any life that Drew had planned for me. Okay, and at that point in my life, I had already seen some of what the world had to offer. I just said, no thanks, because really it was no contest. So to sum it up, I chose Jesus because he chose me, and because I wanted to live the life I knew he created me to live, and, and I knew any other path I would take would leave me short of living the abundant life that, that he created me to live, and, and having this eternal peace. And, and ladies and gentlemen, the, it was the best decision, the best decision I ever made, which is saying something, because I also chose to marry this pretty lady up here, so, I mean, it, it, but it, it just trumps all of it, guys. 
Um, but this decision, was, it was based upon the words and testimonies we find in the Bible. And I, I, for me personally, just the journey I went on, I wouldn't have been led to that decision point if it wasn't, wasn't for the words that I heard uh, from God's truth through his scripture. And at least that's just how it happened in my life. So really, why would I allow, allow this source, this Bible, this, this ancient book to dictate my whole life and my whole belief system? Because really it affected everything. Why, why the Bible and why its claims above anything else? Now, with this question in mind, as I move forward in my life and in my faith, I, I did have some doubts. I'm not going to lie. I had doubts. I'm a pretty analytical guy. I don't just like to take things at someone's word. I, I want to understand them personally and come to that conclusion through reason and evidence. I know it's really annoying. I'm, I'm sure I drive, drive my wife crazy sometimes. I know I do, but that's just kind of how I'm wired. And so along my journey, I asked a lot of questions, guys. And I, but through asking these questions and seeking this out, I don't think I ever really doubted God's existence because everywhere I looked, everywhere, I found evidence of his power, his authority, and his design. In fact, it was through my doubts or my questions that I was asking that I really began to see the evidence for, for God all around me. And it, was, it began to become impossible to ignore. And being the curious person that I was, I became really interested in looking at the evidence of God's creation and existence through, well, his creation and existence, and, and through science. And it was, it was incredible what I discovered, okay? And for me, I, I think, and I think for all of us, when we do this, it, it brings Romans one twenty to life, which states, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have, clearly, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Father God, I just come before you tonight. Lord, I pray as we just dive into to your text uh, that we just see it come to life. We see it just come to life throughout your creation, Lord, that, um, and we can just really learn to stand uh, on the, the validity and the power of your word. And that's through the Bible. We pray these things in your Lord, Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, here's what I want to do tonight, all right? Um, Because we're talking about why the Bible, I want to go through and use some of um, just my discoveries and studies and and use this perspective of science to show you exactly how we can see evidence of God throughout his creation and design and how that also ties in with Scripture, uh, it's pretty extraordinary, and through this we can see how we can use science to trust the words of the Bible. You guys, this might not seem important to you, you're probably like, some of you might just be like, I, I couldn't care less about this, um, but guys, it was to me, and, and I know it is to a lot of people on this earth, because Romans one twenty is telling us that the testimony of God is all around us. If you want to see God, look at his creation. So bear with me tonight as we just look at some of this evidence as to why I think all of us should choose to put our faith in the God of all that is is around us and his word, the Bible. I do want to give you a few disclaimers first, okay? For one, the Bible is not a scientific book, okay? It, It is not a book whose purpose is to use the scientific method to prove anything, that just isn't the type of literature that it is. And you know, as Evan talked about last week, for those that, of you that were here, it's a book of historical facts partnered with testimonies of God and his incredible provision and grace. And the history behind that book stands the test of time. It stands the test of research. It stands the test of, of discoveries that people have made. And, and it, it holds true. Um, but what I do think we could find when studying scripture is that we don't have to be afraid of science. Okay, It's kind of become the S word to Christians. 
And, and I believe we live in a culture now where, where, where that is a lie that many have believed. I bl- many Christians, um, many, or many believe that Christians can only talk on the matters of faith and not facts. Because that's a lie. Yeah, we, we use faith as the, as the pillar of, of what we believe and who we are as disciples. But as Evan said last week, that even those who trust in science for their reality still have to put faith in it. So while faith is a major component for every human being to ever live on this earth, it isn't the only one. It's not a blind faith. And we need to really examine the idea that, that so many people have that if you can't prove it or explain it something scientifically, then it just isn't true. Because I'll call you out on that as well. Evan explained last week how, for an example, kind of a silly one, how no one has actually been able to prove scientifically why humans and animals yawn. I mean, we know they yawn. We see that they yawn. We have ideas. But scientifically, we can't actually prove why they yawn. And that's not his words. Those are, you know, scientists that say this. But another way to look at this is, is to really look at what science is, okay? Scientific proof of something is based upon the scientific method. Okay, which is done by repeating the thing in question and recording its results. It's going through the different variables within that situation and seeing if it indi- indeed is true or not. And if you've ever watched uh, the show uh, Mythbusters, I used to lots, love that show, it's kind of a good visual of what the scientific method is um, and what we build scientific theories and laws out of. So the problem with this is, though, that it, going back to the type of book the Bible is, is that it's hard for historical books or historical evidence to be tested upon these credentials. I can go and use the scientific method to prove to you that, for example, oil s- separates from water, okay? But I cannot scientifically prove to you that I went and spent the holidays in Huron, South Dakota with my wife's family. Why? Because we can't repeat events in history. But that doesn't mean that they didn't happen. You know, there's plenty of evidence that points to the fact that I went to Huron, South Dakota for Christmas, but none of it's scientific. So science isn't the only way to prove something. It's, it's a way to build a faith it's a, or a, an understanding. It's a, way to bi- it's a building block, but it's not the only one. But we, what we can do, guys, is we can look at facts, statements, claims, etc. from within this text, and we can compare them to scientific discoveries, things that do use science and that have been made, uh, or, and discoveries that have been made, and see that they, if they go in ha- hand in hand or not, which is what I'm going to do tonight. Okay, if we can do this, then at least we can come to an agreement that we should not be afraid of science as it pertains to our faith. Because after all, from my worldview, science is the observation of our creator and his creation, just like Romans 1.20 was talking about. And I'll just say this really quick. I'll just stir the pot a little bit since we're talking about the topic. But scientists actually do the same thing. Um, they don't always use science to back science. And I'm not here to cause a debate or anything, but I just want to give you some perspective here. Uh, And the reason they do this is because they can't. Um, An example of this is evolution. I'm not going to go into whether I believe in evolution or not. Not the point of tonight. But but the reason why I'm saying this is that because evolution, it's not observable, which is against the laws of science. It's not repeatable, which is against the laws of science. It actually contradicts the first and second laws of thermodynamics, which are proven scientific laws. So therefore, it would make this theory unscientific. Uh, and yet they never teach you that in school, right? You know, but many of these issues are the same ones that are played against people who have put their faith and, and trust in Jesus, in the Jesus that we read about in the Bible. And I just think it's interesting 
And, and if there are, you know, science majors or science teachers in here, and I just ticked off, I'm sorry, we can talk about it later. Um, but uh, my final disclaimer before we dive into this, guys, is that there is no way that I can cover even a small portion of the information that's out there tonight, okay? I am in no way an expert. I'm a student. I, I, I dive into this thing, these things. I, I enjoy it, but I'm not an expert. Um, but that's really not the point of this series this month anyways. But rather, my goal is to give you a glimpse into a few areas of science where Scripture goes hand in hand with the scientist, scientific discoveries that have been made so that you can understand that you don't have to be afraid of science. And in fact, you can stand strong on, um, on strong science to put your trust in the Bible. So I'm going to talk about a, a number of diff- different things. The first one I want to spend some time on, though, is um, cosmology and the reliability of the Bible. Okay, I was blessed to take a class in my graduate work that allowed me to really dive into this area of study. And what I found was pretty fascinating. And so I'm going to spend a little time on this topic tonight. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to go into all of it. But on this back table back there, I, I did, um, there was a paper that I wrote on this topic. And I, I printed off some copies back there if you just want to dive in a little bit more of that. It's just, uh, back there as you're on your way out. Um, but uh, cosmology is, is the um, branch of astronomy dealing with the origin and general structure of the universe, simply put. Okay? It, it talks about its parts, its elements, its laws, and, and especially um, the different characteristics as, such as space, time, um, causality, and freedom. Okay? Now, depending on your worldview, which, you know, kind of what you believe, the, the, the lens into which you look upon the world, this branch of science and, and philosophy because it is philosophical, varies greatly, okay? Uh, But the questions remain the same, no matter what your worldview is. Where did the universe come from? What happened before it came into existence? How did it get to the the state it's in today? Uh, Where is it heading in the future? These are all questions that are asked, regardless of what your worldview is. And for Christians, most people would go right to Genesis uh, to answer many of those questions, and, and rightly so. But remember, First disclaimer I made is that the Bible is not a scientific book, so we really need to be careful. Luckily, though, there is a ton of research in the scientific community that has been poured into this topic of the existence of the universe. And and through this research, most um, scientists believe that the origins of the universe can be explained by the Big Bang Theory. That's also kind of a cuss word in a lot of Christian, uh, Christians' minds, okay? Yeah, big Bang, it's kind of the B word. I said the S word earlier, this is the B word to some people. But, but let's look at it through the lens of both science and scripture, and let's look at the credibility of the Bible and what it has to say, okay? Now, the concept behind the Big Bang Theory is that there was an event in which all of the matter which we can observe in our universe began and expanded from a single point. It's a pretty generic definition of what it is, but it provides an overall sense to get the idea behind the theory. Now, this theory came to be based upon a number of discoveries made by some s- the scientific community um, from some big names, right? In the early 1900s, a, a guy named Albert Einstein uh, developed this th- thing called the theory of relativity, if anybody's heard of that, which is founded upon his discovery of the consistency of light's velocity. Well, pretty much the speed of light is consistent no matter what the source or where it's at. Okay, the speed of light is the speed of light. And it, this helped lead to the discovery that the universe is continuously expanding. I'm not going to go into to, uh, all of the science behind why that is, but um, 
Because, but because this discovery uh, that the universe was constantly expanding outwardly, it only makes sense that it would have to come from a specified point of existence uh, via an explosion of sorts of what we now call the Big Bang. Um, and if everything is expanding, especially in a consistent way, then there's probably a common cause of all of that, just kind of like a balloon. You think of like a balloon. It starts just, you know, really nothing there. You blow it up and it expands and it's all coming from a center point. And if you take it backwards, let the air out of the balloon, it comes back to that one point. And that's basically what this is saying. And while describing this event as an explosion might not be the best way to describe what happened, it it really opened the scientific door to help prove that the universe did indeed have a beginning. Because the universe in itself is expanding outwards, astronomers can say with some certainty that the universe must have come from somewhere and therefore couldn't have always existed. And as you can imagine, along with these discoveries, it also opened up the door for Christian scientists to help implement their Christian metaphysic or, or views into the world of secular science. And what was so important about this discovery for, for this Christian metaphysic is that it indeed went hand-in-hand hand with what Scripture teaches on the universe. Even though it's not a scientific book, it actually does go hand-in-hand in hand with it. First of all, the, the Bible teaches us that there is a beginning, right? Everybody knows, well, I won't say everybody, but we know Genesis 1-1, which states, in the, beginning, in the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. And this, this passage not only procla- proclaims that God is the creator, but also the fact that there was existence before the creation of the universe. The scripture gives us evidence that God's, um, God transcends time and space, uh, such as, I don't think I have these up here, but 2 Peter 3.8 says, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Psalm uh, 92, uh, verse 2 states, Before the mountains were born and you gave birth to the earth and the world, for, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. These are claims that God transcends time. Um, because the God of the Bible claims to transcend uh, space and time, he could have existed in a time period before creation. This would make sense with how science explains that the universe, um, explains the universe because it did not have a beginning based upon the discoveries that led up to this theory. And when something has a beginning, it brings to mind the question, well, what caused the beginning? Or what happened before this beginning? This is a question that science could never answer. And this is where the teachings of Scripture give insight into providing an explanation for this. And just go in a little bit more detail, because I just found this interesting. Genesis 1.1 speaks of this event of the universe being brought into existence through an act of creation. The Hebrew word for created is the word bara. And this word bara in context can mean that um, it, it indicates the making of which did not previously exist. Therefore, um, claims like what Moses said in the Old Testament and some of the other prophets identified the creator as the originator of matter, energy, time, and space from this, uh, from this idea of creation. Therefore, the Bible teaches that there was an event that brought the universe in itself into existence. And this too seems to go hand in hand with, with, with the science behind the Big Bang Theory and therefore provides more correlation between the, this theory and the teachings of Scripture. I know it's like probably a bunch of, you know, just a lot of information, I understand. So let me sum this up simply. Science says there was a point in time where everything came into an existence from an explosion or a, a single event. What does that sound like to you? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created, and everything came into existence. 
Okay, and that's why that kind of goes hand in hand. Now, another biblical teaching that coincides with this theory is that the universe always has and will continue to be constantly expanding, just like that balloon I talked about. We can find that this too is consistent with the claims of the Bible. A renowned secular scientist, this isn't a Christian scientist, but a man named Dr. Ross, came to the realization through study of this that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Job, Zechariah, and the Psalmist all declared that the universe is expanding and has continuously expanded from the beginning. Uh, a couple examples of this. Job 9.8 says, Who alone stretches out the heavens and, the, and tramples down the waves of the seas? Stretches. Isaiah 40, 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a, like a tent to dwell in. Zechariah 12, 1 states, thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. And these are just a few examples of the long list of scriptures that describe uh, the universe as something that is stretching or expanding. Um, there's more passage on this. Um, but Dr. Ross explained this, and he looked at that word stretch, that, w- that expansion word that they're talking about. And it, it says this bis- biblical claim is based on the Hebrew verb nata, which means to expand or stretch out. With respect to the universe, this verb appears in, in the Bible seven different times in the active participle form. Um, so we're switching over to English, I know. But basically what that says is that it's implying that the universe has experienced is experiencing, and will continue to experience ongoing, uninterrupted expansion. So this expansion is not only spoken about in the Bible, but it is witnessed by astronomers and cosmologists throughout the universe. In other words, the Bible goes hand in hand with science once again. And through this understanding of the universe and the correlation between its findings and the teachings of the Bible, it is safe to say that, that based on these criteria, the science behind the Big Bang Theory, in fact, does agree with the Christian metaphysic and belief. So in other words, the Big Bang Theory really shouldn't be a cuss word to Christians. In fact, it goes right alongside with how Scripture describes the creation of the universe in its current state of expansion. Pretty cool? Um, so why the Bible? Going back to the question we're talking about. Because according to cosmo- cosmology... The Bible can absolutely be seen as credible because it does go hand in hand with scientific theories and facts found in the scientific community. Therefore, this is not a Christian viewpoint that I'm talking about. It's a scientific one. And it just so, it just so happens to agree with the Bible. I know I'm a nerd. I kind of like this stuff. But um, uh, if you guys, I put some papers out on the chairs there, and I'm just going to kind of talk about some of these um, I know this is more of a lecture than a sermon, and, and it's a lot of information, but uh, hopefully I gave you that so you could take that back with you and be able to um, share this or look back upon this so you're not just trying to remember all this. Um, but here are a, very other, um, a few other very quick examples of how Scripture and leading scientific laws and observation go hand in hand. Okay? And the first I want to talk about is, is the universe is governed day-to-day by rational, natural laws, not the whims of deities. Okay, Um, first passage I want to look at to talk about that is Job 38, 33, which says, do you know the laws governing the heavens or can you impose their authority on the earth? Jeremiah 33, 25 says, this is what Jehovah says, just as surely as I have established my covenant regarding the day and the night, the laws of the heavens and the earth. 
Guys, this is a branch of physics that this, this is talking about, okay? And, and it's incredible how efficient and finely tuned the physics in our universe really are. It's, an, it's amazing when you really look into it. We know that there are laws of physics that are built into existence, and this is a scientific fact, okay? And amazingly enough, Scripture makes these claims too. It doesn't make any claims that uh, it's, it's something other than what it is. It's just that's a part of uh, God's creation. Um, and, and the crazy thing about this is when they make these claims, this is well before people or scientists knew much about these laws of physics at all. Okay, the next thing I'm going to look at is the, the earth, how the earth is suspended in empty space. Might sound kind of stupid, and to us today it does. But throughout the history of understanding of, uh, of science, this is, this is a pretty legitimate claim and, and something to look at. Job 26.7 says this, He stretches out the northern sky over empty space, suspending the earth upon nothing. Okay, many ancient people, and even scientists, and historians, and, every, and just religions and cultures, and, and we can keep going with this list, but uh, many of these people believed for a long time that the earth was flat, and that it was supported by something that kept it in place. But not so with this claim of Scripture. This statement was made well, well, well ahead of its time, as this was a common belief even in the past you know, 500 years. Um, next one I want to look at is how rivers and springs are fed by water that has evaporated from the oceans and other sources and then has fallen back to the earth as rain, snow, or hail. Once again, it might seem kind of silly to us today, but if we look at the history of this, it, this is a pretty amazing claim. Job thirty six twenty seven says, He draws up the drops of water. They condense into rain and, and is mist. Then clouds pour it down. They shower down upon mankind. Ecclesiastes 1, 7, All the streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the streams flow, there they return so as to flow again. Isaiah fifty five ten for just as the rain and the snow pour down from heaven and do not return there until they saturate the earth, making it produce and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now, like I said, this seems obvious. It does to us, right? But at the time that this was written, this was definitely not a common teaching. Okay, in fact, ancient Greeks thought that rivers were fed by underground ocean water, and this idea persisted even into the eighteenth century. But, but here, Scripture seems pretty clear about the science behind, uh, just behind our atmosphere, right? And, and weather patterns. Um, the, mountain, the next one is this. The mountains rise and fall, and today's mountains were once under the ocean. One of the passages I found on this, there were a couple, but I just picked one, was Psalm 104, verses 6 and 8. It says this, You covered it with deep waters, talking about mountains, um, as with a garment, the water stood above the mountains. Mountains ascended and valleys descended to the place you established them. This, too, was not a common held belief when it was written. In fact, many myths and, and cultures believed that, uh, and people believe, um, held on to, the, to this belief at this time that uh, by explaining mountains and valleys as being created by, uh, by their gods or something um, supernatural. Um, but today we know through science that this just is not how they were made and that most of them were, in fact, under the ocean at one time, and over a period of time they came to be what they are. And finally, um, this one's kind of gross, but it's very true, okay? And this is, uh, this is the science behind sanitary practices that protect your health, okay? There were laws that were, by, that were given to the nation of Israel through God's covenants with them that included many sanitary practices whose purpose was to keep his people healthy, okay? They weren't just some bunch of crazy laws to follow. They had a purpose behind them. And these in, included touch, um, touching dead bodies, or not to not touch dead bodies, quarantining those with disease, and safely disposing of human waste. Um, Leviticus 
11.28 says this, the one who carries their dead body should wash their garments and he will be unclean until evening. They are unclean to you. I mean, there's, this was a, a, a covenant given to his people to keep them clean, keep them safe. The next two, I didn't put them up here because they're longer, but um, Leviticus 13.1 through 5. I'll just read this to you. It says, Jehovah continued to speak to Moses and Aaron, saying, if a man develops on his skin a swelling, a scab, or a blotch, it could become the disease of leprosy on his skin. He must then be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. The priest will examine the infection on his skin. When the hair on the infection has turned white and the appearance of the infection is deeper than the skin, then it it is the disease of leprosy. The priest will examine it and declare it unclean. I know this is gross. Um, but if the blotch on the skin is white and its appearance is not deeper than the skin and the hair is not turned white, the priest will quarantine, quarantine the infected person for seven days. The priest will then ex- examine him on the seventh day and if it appears that the infection has stopped and not sp- has not spread on the skin, the priest will quarantine, quarantine him for another seven days. Um, I'll read one more here and we'll talk about these. Deuteronomy 23.13 uh, it says, a peg should be part of your equipment. When you squat outside, you should dig a hole with it and then cover your excrement. <laughs> Told you, gross, right? But, but what's interesting about this, guys, is that these types of practices were not universal, or actually, they weren't even very common at the time. Okay, it might seem common sense to cover your excrement. I understand, but, but little was actually known about uh, biology and diseases, uh, at, during this time. In fact, one common Egyptian remedy, which was used by a lot of people um, beyond just Egypt, was uh, uh, to use on open wounds was one that included a mixture of human excrement. Gross. Why would you do that? You know, but people didn't know the science behind it. <coughs> but the practice commanded to the Israelites was not just some random law, okay, it, but one that protected them from the science behind the consequences of not doing these things, something that we know about, uh, much more about today. So even though, we, um, though very, very little was known at this time about biology and diseases, God knew. Okay? He knew the science behind his creation, and he set up ways to protect the people from that. Um, guys, I understand I just slammed you with a ton of information. Um, much of it might have seemed to be un- incomplete. I understand that. I had to just hit on it quick. But what I wanted to do was to give you a quick survey to help show you that um, if we are choosing to stand on science as a pillar of our belief system and our worldview, we do not have to be afraid of it as Christians. In fact, the more we discover, the more we see that, actu- uh, that it actually does go in line with the, what the Bible says. Guys, it is okay to value science. I do. Okay, it really is. I get so frustrated when, when Christians are afraid to engage people who hold science to be important or who cower away when people bring it up in conversations. Um, You know, we don't have to be afraid of it. In fact, I believe science gives us further proof as to why we choose to believe in the Bible, and we should embrace it. Now remember, I'll be very clear about this. The uh, The Bible is not a scientific book, okay? We cannot use it as such because that isn't what it was given to us for, but science does not have to be a roadblock for us or for anyone. The reality is, is that people will always use, try to use science to try to disprove the existence of God. In fact, there have been many secular scientists that say this is actually their motivation. They want to make scientific, scientific discoveries so that they can just put this whole God thing to rest. But while that may always exist in our world, the lack of evidence behind God's creation and design does not have to. 
God's word has continued throughout history to be accurate, reliable, and in many ways well beyond our own current understanding. Thousands of years ahead of it. Guys, if you're wanting more information on any of what I just said, I give you those papers. There's that paper I wrote in the back just to go into that Big Bang cosmology and the reliability of Scripture. Um, It's just on that table back there. I encourage you to to grab it if you want to look at that. Um, And like I said, I know I'm not an expert on this stuff, guys, but I I, I have put time in studying this, and I encourage you to to do that as well. Um, But it's amazing how trustworthy the Bible really is the more we look into it, and that's kind of what this month, this series is about. And beyond that, guys, the truth it contains, this trustworthy and proven truth transforms lives. It transformed mine, and I've seen it transform countless other people. It contains the greatest truths we can ever know, and I, for one, feel so blessed that God has used it to transform my own life, and I know it can transform yours through his power and his grace. Guys, I want to close by once again reading Romans one twenty, and I'm going to pray, so if the band wants to come up. But this is what it says. It says, For the sense the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature has clearly been seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Let's pray. Father God, I uh, just thank you for your truth that we find in your creation. Lord, I, pray, I just thank you for um, being a God that provides us not only things for our heart to, to help transform our hearts, but you also, you lay this out in, in, in your creation in facts. And Lord, I just pray tonight as, as we just continue to worship here, Lord, we just give you all the glory. We give you all the praise because you are a, a mighty God. You are a God that has created this incredible world. And throughout all of that, you still kept us in mind. You sent your son Jesus to die for us on a cross so, so we can experience this, um, your creation and all of eternity with you. We just pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.